two weeks ago, Marcus was here speaking about Deborah, and he put some context into the book of Judges. He uh, spoke about the cylindrical nature of the book, how people keep failing to trust in God, and then they trust in God again, and then it all goes belly up again, and they trust in God again. People worship God, and then they go to worship Baal, and then they go back to worship God, and so the cycle goes on. Last week, we skipped a week because of the celebration of Moses' dedication. So this week, we come back to the book of Judges and Gideon. If we hadn't skipped a week last week, we would have looked at the story of God calling Gideon to a task that seemed so huge. He didn't believe it was possible and that he had to step out and put his faith that God was going to use him to save Israel. And we meet Gideon today, assembling the army that was going to defeat the Midianites, was going to retake the land that had been promised, to fight the oppression that the Israelites had once been under. And God chose Gideon to lead the people away from idolatry, to show them that he was God. Now if we'd looked last week, we would have seen at the start of Gideon's call to lead the people, that he wanted proof that God was really calling him to do this. I can completely understand this. It's sometimes very hard to discern the voice of God. What is God calling you to? I heard the story of the Southern Baptists over in America. They believed God was calling them to come and evangelise to the people of Cornwall. So they put lots of money into training people and they put an awful lot of money into teaching people the language of Cornish. It was only some way down the line did they realise that Cornish was virtually now a dead spoken language and that English was spoken in this backward place of Cornwall. They realised something had gone wrong and they gave up. I'll get over it. We never want to be in the position where we have egg on our face. When we're praying for someone or something, we sometimes gauge or ask in our prayers that we don't want to end up in that position where our prayers are not answered and we feel terrible, we feel stupid. More than that, it can be dangerous sometimes. I shared the story before of my cousin, Miss Spina Bifida, went to a prayer meeting, believed she was going to be healed. People said, if you pray, if you have faith, you will be healed. And she wasn't, and she lost her faith. We just need to be careful and see clearly. And we know, and it's obvious why Gideon was asking for proof. But you see, asking for proof doesn't stop there at Gideon. This whole passage of Gideon is about God proving who he is. God proving that he is in control. Gideon has an army of 32,000 men. It sounds a good number, really. But when you put that against the Midianites, you had an army of 135,000. I I think you'd start to realise why Gideon wanted proof that this is what God was calling him to. You'd be scared. How on earth are we going to defeat this army? You'd be hoping that the next thing God was going to say to you was, and here, Gideon, is another 100,000 men from a different place I've brought to you. But no. God says, cut the numbers down. First tell the men, 
if they're scared, go home. I would have been in the first category, I can tell you that now. I'd have been out of there. But God says, after 10,000 have stayed, we need to cut them down more. The test of the drinking of the water is done. And most of the commentaries agree that there's no great significance behind the kneeling, the lapping up like a dog and how they drunk. It was just a way to whittle down the numbers. 35,000 down to 300 to face an army of 135,000. Gideon had to be sure this is what God was calling. Well, why did God bring this number down? Well, the simple reason is that everyone needed to know that this victory that they would see a little bit later on in Judges 8, this impossible win, was not because of human strength. It wasn't because of the tactical genius of the commander. It was quite simply because of God. After this, the people wanted Gideon for their king. But Gideon said, no, there's only one king. There's only one leader, and that's God. If we read on, sadly, Gideon's legacy didn't last long. After he died, the people went into this cycle. They worshipped God while Gideon was alive, and the moment Gideon died, they went to worship Baal. It's about this cycle that we spoke about at the beginning. Interesting fact, Gideon had 70 sons. That's one big house. He had a legacy there. But as soon as he died, like I say, people went back. So what does this mean for all of us? What does the story of Gideon speak into us today? Well, several things, I believe. Firstly, nothing is impossible if God is calling us. As a church, over the next few church meetings, we're going to put some meat on the bones of looking at what it means to be who we are. What things are we going to be involved in? What is God calling us to? And I want us to remember the stories of Gideon, other stories in the Bible. A man who was scared by the task that God had put before him, but trusted and held firm in the face of difficulty to do something absolutely amazing. Why can't we be the same? There's no reason. Sometimes we just have to trust God. Test what he's saying and then just do it. I think one of the things that church is good at is talking. Talking about doing great things. And then it likes to talk a little bit more about doing great things. And then we'll leave it to the next church meeting to talk about doing great things. And I think sometimes God is just screaming at us, just get on with it. Do it. Stop talking, get out there. I pray that we are a church who will not just talk about things, not talk about the great things that God is calling us to, but do it. Be out there. Be in here. Another thing I think speaks very specifically in one sense from this passage is about leadership. When Jeff Howden, the previous minister, left, you had a diaconate. And by the time I came, it was called a leadership team. I'm not sure how that happened. I'm not quite sure how anybody knew how that happened, to be honest. But it's something we've been talking a lot about with the leaders. 
were made up of deacons, of elders, of officers, a minister. It can be a bit complicated at times. And I know and recognise we need to be careful of this term leadership. As a Baptist church, it's not about who's the most senior. It's about all of us together and God is our leader. Jesus is the one that we look to, that guides us, that leads us. I've got no answers, to be honest. So we live in the moment of the tension of what it means to be a leader in this church. But the thing that we all agree on is the role of leadership in the church is one of servant-heartedness. One that puts God before anything. And that's not just exclusive to the leadership team. Each one of us needs to be putting God first. Not wanting to promote ourselves. We need to be continually sharing with one another. Check with one another. Make sure that with one another we are um, walking with one another and looking out for one another. And if we talk of leadership, how does this church become a leader in the town? Someone whose voice is recognised and respected. In what ways are we leaders? Prophets. People who are bringing the voice of God into the community. Because it's not just the job of the ministers. It's your job. It's our job. With your neighbours. With the committees that a lot of you are on. With the chat. Uh, Joe starts school in September and I'm scared stiff of the school playground. It's a scary place to be. But it's my job there to be the voice of God in the community. In the town council. How can we be God's voice? Leaders in the community. Because this is what God is asking of us. Is calling us to. I believe this week God has shown me something. That we need to speak into. To be leaders at. I don't know how. But it's, it's taking me 14 months to realise this. 15 probably now. We speak of needs of areas. And... and um, Robin has shared this morning of the, the, the homeless people that he's working with. And sometimes it's easy to see the needs of a community. If we go over to in Plymouth and walk around at night, you will see people sat on the street. You will see homeless people, people in need. Sometimes you come to Saltash and it's not as easy to see, but the need is still there. The food bank's inundated. But another need that I've seen... Have you noticed the amount of psychic nights that are happening in our town recently? There's posters every week, there's people saying they're coming. This is a need we need to speak into. People are searching for something, and in my opinion, they're searching in the wrong place at the moment. As a church, as community, we need to be vocal and saying, but actually, come to church. <laughs> because this is where the spiritual food is. The thing that will satisfy your need. Not someone who's going to tell you about some great aunt that wants to pass you on a message. But about a living God who's a reality in our lives. If I preached on the first part of Gideon last week, my closing message would have been being a disciple of God, being someone called by God, and I believe we each have a calling, whether we know or not, is not about leaving it to someone else. It's so easy to leave these things to other people to do. It's not about saying, well, God, it can't be me. I'm just little old me. God says, no. 
You're a child of God. You are called by God. Whether you are young, old, retired, employed, rich, poor, being a Christian for 120 years or being a Christian for three minutes, well or ill, God says, I can do amazing things through you. We don't know a lot about Gideon, but maybe that's the point. Because in one sense, it doesn't matter who Gideon was. I'm sure he's a nice chap. But what matters is what God did through him. The problem we could have is that we walk out of here today and it doesn't sink in. Oh, that was a nice message today. I'm sure other people, it spoke to them. But God is calling us to step out. To not shy away. Not shy away to the big things, the difficult weak things. Not to leave it to someone else. Thinking the task is too big. Maybe you're already doing so much in the church. And that is great. And I thank God for that. But maybe it's taking its toll. Maybe you're tired. Well come and speak to me. Because serving God in this way shouldn't be like that. But then if someone comes and speaks to me, then the rest of us need to be involved in different ways. We're not here to build an empire. We're not here to build an empire of Saltash Baptist Church. We're here to build the kingdom of God in Saltash. Maybe you're tired in work and life, and I pray that God will show you the life-giving water that he offers. The hope of new life, of new energy. Maybe sometimes it's good to evaluate where our energies and efforts go into and to see if this is what God is asking of us. I have to do this regularly. I have to change things. I have to recognise the rut I've got into sometimes. And I've done that recently. and found that maybe I need to alter a few things in the diary. I've been challenged recently that being a minister is not about how many things you can have in the diary. But one of the ways that I'm going to change that is by putting something else in the diary. But, but from the 2nd of July, every Monday morning, from 9.45 to 10.15, I will be down here praying for the life of the church. If you want to come and join me, fantastic, great. But if not, be assured that I will be here praying. Sometimes it's not about doing great things. It's about simply coming to God in prayer. Maybe we need to look at things differently. Maybe this is a turning point for the church. If that's the case, then I pray like Gideon. Despite the task seeming difficult, seeming hard, that we will each say, Here I am, Lord, ready to do your will. Amen.